Hello and welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and today I have my friend, also my artist, writer, filmmaker, production company founder, Megan Reed. Thanks for coming to the show today. Hi, so nice to see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so good. I'm getting busy again now that lockdown is like chilling out and right, uh, getting right. back to work. Yeah, let's talk about actually that lockdown thing. Did it, you know, what, I guess, what things did it change for you when it started? Uh, well, work was one thing because I'm working on right now a TV show called Fate's Atlantic Notes. And so we had just finished the first season and we were like, all set. So they started talking about the second season and then all of a sudden... Nice. Lockdown closed everything, so we couldn't like meet up or nothing. So we mm. we had to push that back. So I'm still waiting to hear on when we get to start the next season. Mm. Um, but that was about it. Um, I didn't like start any other projects. Thankfully, everything that I do is remote. So as far as like other work goes, it doesn't affect <laughs> me too much. Yeah, you know, and was it easy to adapt to the remote way of doing things? Honestly, it's so much better. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love in what it. way? Um, well, I so I've worked service jobs for a long time. I've done twelve years in the restaurant industry in like every position except for ownership. And so mm. um, I'm used to like you know you get up and you work these long, long jobs that are super exhausting. You have to be somewhere for an exact amount of time. But you know, I started doing this digital media stuff like full time during the first lockdown, and um, I don't have to be anywhere at a certain time unless I'm like in a meeting or, and I don't have that many meetings and whatnot. So mm -hmm. it's really not that hard. Cause so I get to be like a little bit recluse and like take my own videos and stuff. And then I always need B roll. So I get to go for walks and take pretty videos. It's super nice. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like um, one thing, because we've actually talked a bit before, about like your musical journey when you came on the blackout podcast but like is it it's like is that a pause on the music thing or because i noticed you change your name on instagram to mv, MV oh so so that one's my my main account my not music it's mgn.svg um S right. svg files are so i do a little bit i do some graphic design and video editing and svg files are the files that i use when I'm exporting a graphic design that I still want to be able to manipulate in scale. Um, so it's a specific file format that I, you know, from when I go from Illustrator into Photoshop or sorry, Premiere Pro, um, it's an SVG file. So I was like, let's do like some kind of play on the file name. Cause I've seen people do like dot J JPEG or like dot EXE. And I was like, those are too played overplayed. So let's do one that like nobody knows. Yeah. SVG. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was like, hmm, have I seen that somewhere before? <laughs> um, but then also you changed your artist like, name. Yeah. name. Exactly. Yeah. What was the story behind uh, that? So Megan Say Rose, actually, it was it was a little bit of a mental roller coaster, just but it was like a really happy one because I was like, I was like, I'm just doing more with this film stuff, but I'm still doing just as much with music. But how can I separate that? And it kind of came when I was doing, um, I recorded a song with a couple other artists from uh, the modeling agency that I'm with, Solely Productions. So we did this big fundraiser song. And my name was in the credits as the videographer and, the pro and one of the producers. And then my name was also in the opening credits as one of the artists. So I'm like, 
how do I differentiate that so people aren't like, like, I mean, you know, it's good to be like, oh, she's everywhere, but I don't want to be like everywhere. I want to still maintain some kind of separation in those identities. So um, the St. Rose thing came after I got my face tattooed. And um, yeah, and so I was, I just like really wanted the rose. And I was like, something told me to look up like St. Rose, I, I grew up Catholic, so I'm, I'm like not religious or anything now. But, you know, when you when you spend so many years in a certain institution, it, it you know, you, you're kind of attached to certain ideologies. And mine is just like because of like my spirituality and whatnot, gods and goddesses and saints. And I just like the idea of the stories and, you know, who you can mm-hmm. call out to in times of need. And St. Rose actually is the patron saint of the black sheep of the family, the patron, patron saint of indigenous. Wait, yeah, there yeah. is a thing. So, so it's, it's she's the patron saint of generational trauma, and so yeah. So oh. well, the, it was, I first saw it as the black sheep of the family. But yeah, she's the patron saint of generational trauma and indigenous rights. Um, she came from Mexico though, so she's like her base is all like in down south in Mexico and like the indigenous peoples down in like you know southern U.S. and Mexico. But what she stood for was just like you know, holding strong and steadfast despite what, you know, other people around her think. I'm pr- I don't remember if she was a martyr or not, but I'm pretty sure she was. Um, but her whole journey was just, like, trying to be better despite where she came from. Yeah. Oh. So it just, it was, it was Holy fitting. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, you know, I like that every day or every time I get to talk to you, I learn something new because I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, okay, that's uh, and yeah. that's why you chose that name. So, you mentioned that you decided to add that so you can kind of differentiate it, but at the same time, you're like, you know, you are doing the front end performing, you're doing the back end producing. Which one do you prefer? Oh man, I can't choose. It's like, it's like, you know, it's the same reason I can never have more than one kid, <laughs> it's because I can't, I can't choose. Well, I mean, no, I some parents choose favorites i guess but like i can't choose i i mean music so music has always been there music has always been my like like every time everything else falls apart it's what i revert back to every time i really really need to make something mm-hmm. artistic i go back to music um and then even with film so like uh for this tv show that i'm working on i'm a sound recordist so music and sound is just like where i it's like my core um but videography is mm it's there's just like a whole other level to it and and being able to tell stories like and being able to share stories and being able to shine a light on other people's stories is just like it it adds an extra Mm. dimension to that so where i'm i'm you know i love creating the art with the music and whatnot but i love i love just as much like doing the video side of things so it's really hard because i I make my own music videos too so it's always there's all they both have always been there so (laughs) That makes complete yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I see why it might be difficult for you to choose. You I know, love both my. I love both my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you get into working on this uh, show? Um, so I am learning under a uh, really amazing filmmaker, Fateh Ahmed, and he's actually the host of the show. Uh, he's the host and producer and mm-hmm. you know we met uh, through other film people I don't even remember the exact circumstance I just remember he asked for my help with the documentary so we did a documentary on a cryptocurrency called anchor coin um, and that was years ago and so yeah so I was like oh. I just kind of volunteered as a production assistant because I was like I was like I've only ever done um, 
like acting or background acting on sets. I've never done like I've done behind the scenes, but not on large scale productions, just like filming my own stuff or helping for like friends and whatnot. And so I went with him right. to help him do this cryptocurrency video and it was such a cool experience and he was like and I was so like young and excited and I'm like I just want to show everybody here that I'm the most helpful person so they bring me back. So I was like super helpful carrying everything <laughs> and, and sure enough he really liked my work ethic and so we've continued to talk about um, projects and he you know learned learned my story about you know how how my daughter came to light or came to existence and you know my past and whatnot and uh he was like he's like they should make a doc documentary on your life and i was like i don't think i'm ready to share that story just yet <laughs> um but but that was like okay. years ago so i'm working i'm working on it i'm slowly working on it now i've been chipping away at like trying to you know put my story into words so that i can bring it to him one day and then we can work on that um but also i'm like Nobody really knows me right now, so it's like, who's going to watch a documentary on somebody that the world is like, who's this person? Or it, it might make me blow up, who knows? Um, but he's just been so inspiring, and at that time, and at that time, I didn't even know about his story. I didn't know the extent of his story. I knew that he traveled, mm. I knew that he's award an award-winning photographer, sorry, filmmaker, um, but it wasn't until we filmed an episode on him for his show and like what his background is and why he's doing all this that I was like oh my god I'm learning from the best person that I could be learning from because um, he's you know he's traveled through, mm. through many countries even through his childhood he you know learned how to play piano and stuff to learn how to do compositions for film or for uh, he learned to play classical piano uh, in the middle of a war zone like it was it was crazy is I don't want to yeah, there's, I don't want to, I don't know how much of the story, I, well, I mean, it's on public TV right now, so it's, uh, he, one of the stories that we heard is he used to, he learned how to play piano in the air because the keyboard cases um, look like they could carry certain weapons and you, you, it could be a threat to certain soldiers that are in the area. So when he would go to school, he would have to learn how to play keyboard in the air. And so if he sees a score, he can go, he'll go like this. And I've seen him do it too. And he'll go like this and you'll see his fingers twitch a little. Two seconds later, you put him on a piano and he knows the entire score. It's, it's genius. It's genius. He, if there's anybody who is like mm. the expert at learning under high pressure situations, it's him. And he's just like such a sweet soul out of it too. So I'm, you know, we just have talked about film stuff over mm. the, over the years. And this show came to light and he's like, hey, do you want to like help out with this show? Uh, do you want to do some sound recording stuff? And I showed up and he's like, he loved the work that I did. And so now I'm set. I'm there. I'm, I'm doing all of it, all the sound. So, uh, and then how did you get into doing sound? Because like you did production assistance and the other thing, but like how did you get into sound? Sound is one of the most important and most difficult when it comes to making film it is it's uh so fate taught me a lot of like specific uh, he taught me a lot of specifics but i already record my own music at home um and because i've done my own music and because i've done my own audio at home before and i'm not a stranger to um mm. recording sound and i'm definitely not a stranger to using to setting up microphones um to uh you know using the zoom recorders and then all through lockdown as well, one of my one of my things that just kind of helped me keep making money was doing um, vert, like I did a virtual symposium, like online concerts and whatnot. So I kind of got mm. a little bit of foundations there, learning how to you know set up the camera, set up the mics, and record a nice crisp quality 
because uh, if, if it's an online virtual concert, it needs to sound like a concert. You're not going to hear like a crappy quality, vi- but good quality video, crappy quality sound. If it's a concert, you mm. need the sound to be good. So I really learned a lot there. And then I was talking to him and he realized he's like, this is a direction you're heading. This is somebody we, this is a space we need to fill on the show. So yeah, he's like, come on, I'll teach you all the basics that you need to know. And that's how I got that job. Uh, I, I guess, you know, you've had this journey uh, making all this, well, working on this show for sure. Now, with things open up, I'm guessing season two, you'll start working on it. But like, what um, what are some things that you've learned while working on the f- uh, first episode that stood out for you? First season that stood out for you? Um, one of them was definitely uh, learning proper uh, etiquette on set. Um, I'm, I'm a hyper person. I wasn't like hyper on set or whatever, but it's literally like, I just want to like, when I, when I meet people, I love learning their stories. So, um, I'd meet like, we met Warren Roberts and he was just this cool, like, like eighties vibe karate kid. He, he's the composer for sex and violence. He did the music, the opening music for sex and violence on East Link TV. Um, so he's a theatrical composer. He plays guitar, does like rock music. And his story was really cool. Same thing with Lisa Richard. Her and I have very similar personalities. She's got like similar pieces of art in her home that I do. So I was like, when I see people Mm -hmm. like this and I see successful musicians, I'm like, I just want to know everything about how you got to where you are right now. And so Pate was like, like, he taught me a lot about like how to, you know, you can't like when's an appropriate time to talk to them. When's an appropriate time to be their friend. Um, but lucky for me is I was able to be patient and they would be like, who's the girl with the face tattoo? (laughs) And like, like, oh, I'm a musician. So I'm going to go talk to the sound person. So it just kind of like, we would just kind of like slowly meet in the middle and be like, we're friends now. (laughs) Right. So, you know, you mentioned the face tattoo thing. Let's talk about it. Like, um, just in general, people have this negative connotation when it comes to face tattoos. So like uh what is the story behind it and how do you feel about people that have that oh you have a face tattoo this person is like you know not serious or whatever so i got it kind of because of that i've always had a tendency (laughs) to like i've always had a tendency to like see what people hate and then make something beautiful out of it so like I saw, and I'm not going to lie at all, I was like on Snapchat going through the filters and I saw one that had the tattoos and all of my favorite like tattoo models have like, like that tattoo right there. So I was like, I was like, why isn't this more popular among people who aren't like tattoo artists or like tattoo models? I'm like, I want to be covered in tattoos one day anyways, but you know, I was like, why don't we go big or go home? And my daughter's grandfather's not the biggest fan of it. Um, but he's, he's a dad, so he's got to play that, like, part, um, but he's not, not a fan of it, um, and I just, I actually have not had any negative reactions at all, I've had nobody, like, he's the only person, and just because it's family, and it's like, I like tattoos, and it's a good tattoo, but on your face, really, Megan, um, but that's about it, there's, uh, you know, everybody else has been like, oh, that looks so cool, um, but yeah, I, I just, I got it, because, like, we're in a time where we're normalizing a lot of things and you know we're we're starting to show that people who are you know obviously as long as you maintain good hygiene then however you dress and as long as it's not waving your genitals in somebody's face then (laughs) then like anybody should be able to really dress or look however they want express yourself self-identity and all that so i went and got it and 
I try, I try to look in the mirror and be like, should I have gotten this? And every single time, like I'm waiting for that regret and it does not happen. And I'm like, mm. I'm like, it looks really cool. It's like, I love it. It was done by Taryn at HFX Tattoo. And I don't think I'm ever not going to be in love with that. I'm probably going to get, I'll probably get another one link right here. wow that's uh interesting so um and was the choice of the rose like i'm guessing that's a rose right yeah um i roses have always had some sort of like theme in my life um just like you know there's there's one is the whole like every rose has its thorn kind of thing I, i try to be as nice as i can but you know, like I can snap. Um, and then r- there was a song uh, that came out when I was like 19 called Black Roses. It was from a show called Nashville. And it was literally, it was sung by a character who went through the same situation with her mother that I did. So, um, you know, where her mother wasn't very mentally stable because she came from, you know, another situation of abuse. And so instead of breaking those cycles she took it out on her daughter who was like starting to become this famous musician and then she used to have like panic attacks and on the first time she performed that song on stage in the show she had a panic attack and like hid under the piano and I just kind of related to that because like when I was younger I used to get panic attacks right on stage all the time I would have a really hard time performing in general because I'd get on stage and I'd be like oh my god oh my god oh my god I'd sing my song I'd leave the stage and I'd bawl my eyes out. So I'd be able to hold it Mm. on stage, but then I would get out and I would like either throw up or I'd start crying or it was just like, Mm. but that's because, you know, the environment I was raised was very, you know, you're not going to do anything. You're never going to be successful. You're not going to amount to anything. It was Mm. a lot of projection. And so Mm. when I saw this storyline go on, I was like, I was like, okay, I know it's a fictional story, but it's like, if she can do it, I can do it. And so Mm. the story was called, the song is called Black Roses. And I just like, I love the way it sounded. And the lyrics go, uh, now you only give me black roses and they crumble into dust in my hand. So it's like the idea of, you know, a mother who is suffering and just trying so hard. Like she doesn't know she's, she's suffering in her own trauma that she can't be a mother. So it's like, that's what the black roses are. It's like a mother trying to give the love that she doesn't even have to give. So they crumble in their hand. So um yeah and then i i saw the saint rose thing and as soon as i saw the saint rose thing i was like this is it that's i was like roses are definitely very symbolic to my life um Mm. yeah so um yeah you mentioned something that stood out for me while you're just talking now and that's like where something that happens in someone's like because either they didn't deal with it or you know walk through it um, it just keeps this chain mm-hmm. going. In your life, how did you break that chain? Because now you're a mom and you have a daughter too, so. Yeah, there's a whole other generation now. It's crazy. Um, so uh, just very, to very quickly, like the, the chain that I'm from, like the, the end, I'm the end of the line of uh, some abuse that started as a result of, you know, victims of residential school. My great-grandmother was a victim of residential schools and I don't know too much about her story of the times inside the school I just know that she doesn't really talk about or she didn't really talk about it she died when I was really young but because of the way that she was treated and because of the fact that she survived but she was forced to marry into a like white French Catholic family and no identity she wasn't allowed to like be herself anymore like her whole culture her whole everything was gone she was a Mohawk woman 
And uh, so because she was married into this like white family, she apparently like from my understanding from the stories that I heard, mm-hmm. um, she was not a fan of having four white, four half white sons, like, you know, um, and my grandfather was her youngest son and he came, he was physically disabled. So he became like the target for her anger. You know, she didn't want to be there. She didn't, she wanted to have love for her kids, but you know, to her, it was like tainted. That's not her culture anymore. That's not those. She doesn't feel like her kids to her, you know? Mm -hmm. And so she ended up being incredibly abusive to my grandfather. Um, and so because he was the walking target and because she never spoke about her time or was ever able to, um, from my understanding, address the uh, toxicity that, you know, she was, she came from and she was never able to like heal on her own. Um, then instead of him identifying or being able to see where that comes from, he just automatically started hating women. He just, you know, like, like he just, my mother was a terrible person. So women are terrible people. And, um, so I grew up with a lot of like women are to be seen and not heard. I grew up with a lot of like, you know, him doing the hand up to threaten me and I have two brothers and he would never do anything like that. Mm. Um, but he's from my understanding, what he's done to my mom is way worse. I won't eat like it's graphic. I won't even mention it here, but he like, like she's been hospitalized many times and you know, the church came and prevented him from going to jail. So, um, so she grew up and she was never able to figure out how to grow up, I guess. So she was very regressed, very stuck as like a teenager my whole life. And so, uh, because I was very different from her, um, I was this like artistic kid who just wanted to do what I wanted to do. I just want to make art and have fun and be crazy. My first job, my first dream job was acting and like her advice to me was, well, Megan, everybody wants to be famous. And that was advice. That was the advice. It was, it was basically like a backhanded, like, you're not going to do that because you're not going to be successful at it. And then she would straight up tell me anytime I practice stuff or practice music or practice acting is you're, you're, you're terrible. You're not good at this. You're never going to amount to anything. So, um, I became a very sensitive kid. I was very sheltered. I wasn't allowed to leave my house that much, except for like our communal backyard that we shared with like neighbors. Um, even as like a teenager, it was hard for me to get out of the house. So, Mm-hmm. It was, I developed this sense of, of empathy because when I started hearing these stories uh, from family about like where my grandfather came from and how, um, sorry, my cat is right here. Um, <laughs> and, how, and you know, what, what my family actually went through. Cause they started talking about like, oh, you know, we're native, right? We're not native. We're, we're descended from a lost culture. And so I, I was like really listening into these because I was like, oh, my God, there's more to my family than just like this, like evil Catholic, whatever. And it, it just made me realize that, you know, as I got out into the world more, that people don't like being treated the way that I was treated as a kid. And I was like, that's just not normal. I mean, it, I realized there was justification in me feeling bad about the treatment that I had received as a kid. Uh, so... I realized that, you know, I don't ever want to treat anybody like this. And my original plan was to never have kids. I was like, I was like, end of the line. We are not continuing this bloodline. Um, I was like, I'm okay with being the last stop. If I want a kid, I'll adopt. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of years later, I have Bailey. <laughs> so now she's here. But she's so, like, she's she's everything that... I could have been as a child if I had been allowed to be my ultimate self. And I'm so absolutely happy and overjoyed that I, you know, have such a wonderful, artistic, smart, super intelligent daughter um, who is just like a kind soul at that. 
She's so sweet. She's very, she's the first person, if you walk into a room or if there's like a new kid at daycare or something, she's the first person to come say hi to you. She always says her please and thank you, always uses her manners. Um, And uh, proud mama moment, she also orders her own Starbucks. (laughs) I taught her that one. (laughs) What does she get from Starbucks? Uh, She gets a kid's hot chocolate with oat milk. Yeah, she's lactose intolerant. She's lactose intolerant, but she, she, I got her once, and she she went right up. And as soon as I told her what to order, she's three, so she went right up to order it. And she's like, "I'll take a kid's hot chocolate." Well, not you know, a couple words minus that. She's like, "Kids hot chocolate with oat milk, please and thank you." And it was so cute because like the last time we went to Starbucks together, we sat down. I lifted her up to one of like the higher seats there, and we were sitting down. And she takes a sip of her chocolate, and she looks at me right in the eye. She puts it down talk to me mommy <laughs> like she's like a mob boss or something she's like talk to me she's so cute so um with, with with your daughter now one thing you've done is taking this negative and turning it into a positive mm-hmm. and um you're also working on this show but you're also running your production company. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm still in the building stages because there's a lot of, you know, money with registering a business and setting up websites and all that. And, you know, I didn't go to school for this. It's all self-taught. So it's I'm trying to make sure that I don't I'm not just somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing. I'm, I want to make sure that I'm like doing everything right. Um, well, I guess nobody's going to get it right on the first time if you're trying something new. But I just like because I can do all of these things and I, because I have uh, many connections uh, for people who can help me with the things that I, you know, don't necessarily know how to do properly or mm. just like I have, I have the ability to procure, procure a production team when I need to at any time. So I was like, you know what, maybe I need to like start my own business. Cause I've worked for so many other people for so long. And mm. let me tell you, I hate it. I, I hate when People are just so like, do this, do that. And I've had so many bosses that are very, they're, they're just more about the control than they are about running a business. I mean, one of my last, mm-hmm. one of my last jobs straight up told me that, you know, I was working in a restaurant and they would give me about 25 hours worth of work during the week with a schedule that changed every week. And I'm like, you can't tell me that you don't know how to do a set schedule every, every week. Like you don't know, you can't tell me that me at, I think it was 20, 25 at the time, so I'm 25. I should be like working on my career and stuff, which is where I should be getting a, like, you know, a, a set job so I can spend my nights working on my career. And he would just change my schedule all the time. So when I was like, you can't keep changing my schedule. I have these specific days that I need off because I go to meetings to meet other musicians. I like meet with other filmmakers. I've got a film job. I'm like trying to practice, trying to build up all this experience for my career. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, Megan, you do too much. And I was like, OK, I quit. <laughs> Well, it wasn't exactly like that, but it was like, it was basically, it was basically like, all right, all right. And then I went back the next day with my two weeks notice and then lockdown kicked in. So I got laid off, (laughs) (laughs) which is better. You know, I was was able to get the benefits and I was able to get like help and whatnot with that. So I wasn't completely like, I'm just going to quit my job and go into the abyss and start this with nothing. (laughs) No, the lockdown actually gave me a perfect opportunity to, excuse me, be able to have that. And, uh, you know, work on my stuff while still maintaining a paycheck. So it was really yeah, helpful. No, no. So um, I guess, like, what's in play for the company now? Um, so right now what I'm trying to do is I'm just building a little bit of a reel. Um, and then so 
I also like had a different name. I wanted to do digital ducky media, but it's very like cutesy and I have a, a lot of very serious projects. So I'm trying to like go with a different name and, and figure out my branding and whatnot before I officially register anything and mostly just building my reel so that, you know, when people are like, what can you really do? Then I have projects to show them. Right. And I've, I've got quite a bit now. I've been working on a lot in the last year, actually. Uh, so I managed to do like like last summer, I did the Delmore Buddy Day Learning Center Virtual Symposium. Uh, earlier this year, I did in January, I did the uh, book launch that was Can I Get a Witness by Lissa Skatolsky, The Philosophy of Hip Hop. She did a three hour live stream. Oh, yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I so that. if you watch. What was that with uh, uh, the bridge? Not the bridge. Um, Yak, right? You yeah. thought connection. It was right? filmed at, yeah. uh, at a place called The Bridge. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you if you watch that, I, I did all the video editing for that. So I created all of the videos for that. Um, even the like if you the music videos, the time lapse, the guy who does graffiti with the time lapse, the music video for the young hip, the girl hip hop artist, like all of those videos in there are. Hi. <laughs> um, and then we also did a one hour stream for uh, Soli Productions, Inc., which is my modeling agency. Um, and we did a virtual benefit concert for the St. Vincent and the Grenadines volcanic eruption, where um, unfortunately thousands of people were displaced, had to evacuate the island. There were people who had, there were, you know, some lives lost. There were people who've lost their homes completely. Um, so we did like an online fundraiser thing. We created a song. So I sang in the song. I created the music video. We did a little jewelry commercial for my agent because um, she released a jewelry line to like raise money for this. So I did that video as well. I've been doing a lot of like, you know, piecing together virtual concerts, just like remote things that would otherwise be live events. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask, what is the name of the company? I'm just going by Megan Reed Digital Media Productions for now. Um, but what I wanted, I, I'm, I don't know, I kind of like my name, so I don't want to share it so nobody takes it. I'll tell you, as soon as I have it registered, I'm going to be like, Israel, this is my company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so now you've, I guess, you've had this roller coaster ride. Um, mm. And now things are opening up. Um, you know, like I said, you might start working on season two. But, like, there might be someone out there watching or listening to this episode, and I want to end it with this question, though, that maybe they've experienced something similar to what you have or, you know, maybe less or more challenging. But what advice would you give to such a person? As as far as, like, where I came from and how to just right. do my right. thing? Um, right. Oh, man, I would probably say... You know, PTSD is, I don't know if I can swear, but PTSD is a bitch. It is. Yeah, you can swear. It really is. PTSD is an absolute bitch. And like, it's, it's, it's horrifying. It's like living a horror movie because sometimes you'll be there and then you'll dissociate and you'll be like living memories that you thought were way in the past. And then you have everybody telling you that like, you know, oh, it was in the past. And you're like, well, tell my brain that because my brain just sometimes shuts off and switches to that channel as if it like just happened. So the only thing that I can tell people who have been through stuff like that is the best way to heal yourself is just throw your all into it. And like, I know, especially coming from a situation where if somebody was like beating you down, telling you that you're never going to be anything, my best way to get through it is like prove them wrong. 
if somebody tells you that you can't do anything, who are they to tell you what you can and can't do if you haven't actually tried that thing? Who are they to tell you who you are? Because if they're telling you who you are, then how does that make you you? You're not you. So you need to find out who you are by trying all of these different things. And maybe to some people it might look like I do too much or I'm doing a lot, but I'm having the absolute time of my life right now. I love everything I'm doing. I'm meeting so many great people. And just because of the fact that I've at least had hope that if I'm doing what I love to do, I'll always be okay. Then I've mm-hmm. always been okay. I've been close to homelessness. I have been so, you know, down, you know, down bad, like just in shitty situations. But when I started to let go of what, you know, abusers or oh, I don't want to say abusers because it was specific people, but when I start to let go of the feelings of the situations that I've been in and I just like, I I literally picture them in a package and I like throw them away. It's, I try to picture it as something physical and I'm throwing it in the trash. Sometimes you just got to do that for, to get that feeling out there. But once you can manage Mm -hmm. that, once you can manage that part of the healing process of like, how can I divert myself away from the trauma then throw your everything into a passion. Be passionate. Because even if you don't have the ambition and motivation, as long as you start with the passion, like if you've ever seen a fire go out, a fire can still come back, even if it goes down to a tiny little thing. So like, that's what passion is. It's that tiny little fire burning inside your chest. And all ambition and motivation is, is you throwing more fuel on it. So we have to give ourselves that. We have to give ourselves the push. We have to give ourselves the ambition and motivation because even though community is the biggest thing, that's that's another thing is find your community because we can't ever do this alone. But when you do feel like you're alone, who else do you have? You've got yourself. So if you can't give yourself the motivation, like how are you going to do that? So sometimes you just have to, you know, do it. I I like to say fake it till you make it because it's not like you're faking anything. Everybody's trying something that they've never done before when they're learning. So if you fake it till you make it and you know, you're, you're like, at least I'm doing this, I'm doing this and I'll learn it. Then a year later, you'll be like, Oh my God, I've done so much of that thing, whatever your thing may be. But yeah, just Mm -hmm. throw yourself in keep that passion. Because like ambition and motivation is hard to find, especially if you deal with depression or anxiety or anything like that. But passion is always there. Mm, wow. Megan, it's always great talking to you. Um, you know, thanks for coming to the sanctuary and for sharing. Thank you so much. And I can't wait, you know, to hear about Disney once it's registered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Maybe we'll do something together. Like- Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, you come up once it's registered. Thank you so much, Megan. Good. Thank you so much, Israel. So nice to see you again.